in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. UNLV host Fresno State at 8 p.m. tonight. Ed, are you confident they'll win? Uh, I'm not sure I'm confident, but I'll. What, what time's the game start? Eight. Eight o'clock. Uh, I'll text you at ten to see what happens. <laughs> it's a Friday night now. Come on, Ed. You got to watch all two hours of UNLV Fresno State. I got the last eight minutes the other night, and as you told me the next day, it's all you needed to watch. It was. The first yeah. first 32 were irrelevant. Yeah. All you needed yeah. to watch was UNLV last come back, night. take the lead, and then forget to score in the final 90 seconds of the game. They're going to win tonight, Ed. I've got confidence. Not in UNLV, but in Fresno State being very bad, because Fresno State is very bad, and I can't imagine them winning two games in a row. Line is six. Much the other line it was seven, seven and a half the other night. Come down a little. It's interesting. These lines... Um. I mean, no matter what happens the first game, I've been watching these lines in these Mountain West games. They, like, never change from game to game. They just kind of figure out a line between the team teams and throw it up there. Uh, so we'll see. Like, it's six tonight. I agree with you. I mean, we talked about um, Fresno State's best player the other day doing nothing. But, you know, you had a, a day to watch the film. I, I would assume they split tonight and move on to next week. All right. Are you ready for this? You ready for lock of the century 5.0? Oh, God. UNLV minus six and a half, minus six, lock of the century. All right, minus six. All right, they win going away. All right. What's your lean, Ed? We got his lock of the century. Do you got Um, a lean? I'd have to lean Bulldogs. I'd have to lean. I'd have to lean lean of the century. It's It's the lean of the century. Oh, Oh, no. It's a small lean. It's It's the the lean of the week (laughs) of the century. Next question. The Raiders have been the second worst drafting team over the last four drafts. So pro football focus, uh, they've got a wins above replacement stat, and they use that uh, to compare draft classes from the last four years. Now, the last four years is all three years of John Gruden drafting, plus the last year that Reggie McKenzie and Jack Del Rio were drafting for the Raiders. And they come in at 31st out of 32 teams, only the Cardinals are worse than the Raiders. Uh, not something that we're probably surprised at. We've gone over and over about their drafts and kind of how they've fallen short. So uh, 31 of 32 is pretty bad. I don't know. I mean, I would have guessed maybe late 20s. I mean, I certainly wouldn't put them any lower, higher than that in terms of draft classes. So um, yeah, not surprised at this ranking. I'm, I'm sure you're not either. No, not at all. And no. uh, especially because the, the way... Pro Football Focus did this is they sort of factored in, you know, what round you took guys in and they factored in what position they play. And that's that's the that's the part that makes it less surprising is that the Raiders have missed on first round picks. And even even the last Reggie McKenzie Jack Del Rio draft, the first round pick was Gary and Conley, who didn't work out. Like you you look through the Raiders' last seven first round picks over these four years, and it's hard to find ones that they really hit on. You can find Colton Miller's been an average left tackle last year. You know, Josh Jacobs is, is looks like a decent running back, but they haven't really hit on even first round picks. And that's sort of been the big issue is they've had good value in terms of picks, but haven't turned it into good value in terms of players. Man, you know, that's a great question. 
Ayo Dosumnu is out indefinitely with a facial injury. Uh, he is Illinois' best player. He's one of the best players in college basketball. And I'll just say that we need him back for the NCAA tournament because Illinois is good. Illinois could be a top two seed in the NCAA tournament. He's really fun. And if for some reason he's not there, I do not want to watch Illinois play without he, him. He's so yeah. fun. Uh, the uh, When Illinois basketball comes up, I always kind of smile because um, I don't know if you remember this, um, but when Brad Underwood was available, everyone loved Brad Underwood. He's a great, great coach. And this was the guy that, again, it's like the fantasy football with Russell Wilson. This is the guy that UNLV fans said, oh, got to get him, got to get him. And two seconds later, I'm going to Illinois. So um, I always remember that. Like, you know, and that, you know, he should have gone to Illinois. It's, you know, bigger conference on Power 5. But he was the guy. No one, Adam Hill does not like anyone more in this world than Brad Underwood. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got a weird thing for Brad Underwood. Yeah. It is he went strange. to his practice uh, before he went to Illinois. Adam Hill went to his practice down at T. I think it was T-Mobile. They played here somewhere. And Hill went there only so he could break down the offense of Brad Underwood. So you know <laughs> Underwood was looking at his SID going, uh, we need to get this guy out of here. Who is this kind of weird kid? Do I know him? Um, uh, he probably And Adam probably thought it was the greatest day of his life. Why is the Review Journal covering Illinois basketball practice in Las uh, Vegas? No, no, it was even. I think it was even different. It was. Uh, it was his previous stop. It wasn't even Illinois. Oh, he loved. Was... Br- yeah, he loved <laughs> Brad Underwood like for years. It was. It had nothing to do with Illinois. He was down there breaking down film with Brad Underwood, and at that time, Brad Underwood probably gave him a pat on the back, winked at the SID, and they had to remove Adam from the arena. Man, UNLV has been linked to some really good coaches the last yes. five years. Yes. I don't know how many of them are realistic, but like uh, Nate Oates at one point was a name that was out there, and Nate Oates yeah. is killing it at yeah. Alabama right now. Whew. They have been linked to some good coaches. They even had that Chris Beard guy for a little while, too. Yeah. Well, they should have been linked to Rick Pitino, but they chose not to be. So why would you want one of the top five coaches who ever lived? Next. Well, he's, at, he's at Iona. Iona's probably yeah. a better job than UNLV now. They're- they're in second place. He's winning games. I'm out. Is the that Sharks. weird? Is is that? Oh, by the God. way, is that weird that I go to Iona Athletics just to watch his post game press conferences? Ah, uh, no, he's no, kind of fun. He's good. Yeah, you could yeah. just follow him on. So his Twitter's pretty yeah. fun too. His Twitter's so. good too. All right. I mean, right. I thought it was weird. I was watching him the other day, thinking, "Is this strange?" <laughs> you're you're not gonna watch UNLV play Fresno State, no. but you're you're. I watch Rick Pitino post game press conference. Yes, I you're seek sneaking it out. out Rick Pitino post. Yes, he's got a yes. column to write, Tyler. Yes. <laughs> Do I have to hit the next question? Hit it again. Yes. 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 Next question. The Sharks are cleared to return to practice, according to Shang Peng. Assuming they don't have any more positive tests, they will be able to play on Saturday. So they will just have the one missed game due to Tomas Hurdle being placed on the COVID protocol list. It's good for them because we talked about yesterday when the NHL would get to a point where it'd be hard to make games up. So I'm sure they're happy it was only a one game pause and they get back to playing games. These two, three, four game pauses aren't good for that schedule. Um, Jared, I have a I have an answer to a question you've been trying to yell for the last three days because you keep asking why do NHL teams have taxi squads? And this is why. The taxi squads don't exist to make sure that a game is played like the same day somebody tests positive. The taxi squad exists so that Tomas Hurdle goes on the COVID list. The Sharks can clear out for two days. But if everybody else is fine, 
Hurdle stays out and somebody comes off the taxi squad into the lineup. I mean, yeah, I get it, but I still think it would be better if it was just like, nope, sorry, too bad. You have to have you have to start your taxi squad. Well, here's the problem. There's like six guys on the taxi squad, but they practice with the NHL yeah, players. No, so if that's an NHL the player problem. Tests positive, They're supposed to be in a damn taxi. <laughs> Call it something else. Man, you know, that's a great question. Ben Roethlisberger's agent expects yeah, to gross. be back with the Steelers. The Steelers have also come out and said that they want to have Ben Roethlisberger back as well. I can't figure out why the Steelers would want Ben Roethlisberger back. He was really, really bad last year. Like, he wasn't even remotely good. Legitimately just draft a quarterback in the third round and you'll get the same production. Actually, Jared, you'll like this too. Just go get Gardner Minshew. Like Gardner Minshew with the Steelers would have been so much better last year. Yep. Yeah, this, I mean, I like his agent. They that lost steam down the stretch and that doesn't sit well with him. Yeah, a lot of that had to do with your guy. <laughs> I mean, so uh, yeah, that is true. They lost uh, steam down the stretch. Um, surprised they got to 12th win to 12 wins. Uh, Look, they're going to obviously bring him back at a lot lower cap it. He's not getting that kind of money. So maybe the the onus is more on why do you want him back? I understand why he wants to come back because I don't know what the market would be for him at this time in his career and with that arm. Um, so there's no question, as the agent says, you know, we've shared the season. We're happy to creatively adjust his contract. You know, translation, we're happy to take a lot less money. But, yeah, you'd think by now the Steelers, the Rooneys, Tomlin would be kind of thinking either of a bridge or, you know, or, or someone, you know, that they, they can get in the draft to, to move on from him. He's been there a long time, but it appears uh, they'll give him less money and he'll come back. He, when you see Tom Brady at 43 and he's basically hasn't eaten sugar since he was 27 and he doesn't eat strawberries and he's taking care of his body. And then you look at Ben Roethlisberger. How do you go? How? How do you go? Well, he's really putting in an effort. <laughs> do you guys remember he looks their like game potato against, head do you remember their game against the Bengals where the Steelers kept turning the ball over and the Bengals at one point had uh, like I think a 17 nothing lead and they had under 120 yards of total offense yeah 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 exactly <laughs> because the Bengals got three straight drives that started at the Pittsburgh 40 yes. and it's like oh okay like the, the Steelers had legitimately one of the best defenses in football last season and yeah. their quarterback was so inept that they couldn't do anything with that besides make the playoffs and snap the ball over Ben Roethlisberger's head in the first game oh man that was still one of our that's probably a top 10 moment of that of the the postseason because it wasn't a great postseason Great question. Thank you. Tennessee Titans first round pick from 2020, Isaiah Wilson, says he is done with football as a Titan. He tweeted that, then deleted it. We had a report yesterday from Adam Schefter that the Titans are uh, now shopping Isaiah Wilson to see if they can trade him. So first off, the Raiders did not have the worst first round pick in last year's draft. At least Henry Rux and Damon Arnett played this year. Isaiah Wilson, uh, he was on the COVID list at one point, but also had a DUI issue during last season. Also in training camp, he was at a college party that was broken up by police. Um, so I don't know how good Isaiah Wilson is, and neither do the Titans because they never got to see him play. 
No, it says uh, in the report, the police documented Wilson went to a second floor balcony where he appeared to briefly consider jumping. He received a trespass warning. <laughs> I, hope for, I, I hope there was a pool below him. Kid was going to do a belly flop or something. But uh, are you? Are we bringing this up? Would they? Uh, he's a he's a tackle, right? So is this a situation where he's a right tackle though? But is this a guy? You know, if they move on from Trent Brown, you get for a lot less money, or is this someone you completely stay away from? I mean, based on his short history with the Titans, yes. I think you're staying away from this guy I mean, well, as much as possible. Then again, they, they took on the guy for the practice squad who brought the girl in in the yes. uniform and then was drag racing, so this guy might not be too far off. He might fit in just fine. Um, he needs I mean, to they're... be mentored by Richie Incognito. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, I mean, listen, if you move on from Trent Brown, you got to find another starting tackle and you got to find one that's fairly cheap. He, Isaiah Wilson's on his rookie contract, so yeah. from that standpoint, it might make sense from the standpoint that the Titans already want to trade him and he's had multiple issues with police officers in two years. You probably don't want to take that on. Probably not the Look, greatest idea. I don't know if you take on a guy who found a party at Tennessee State and bring him to Vegas. Because if he <laughs> found fun at Tennessee State, Lord knows what that kid would do in Las Vegas. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we're going to do the Golden Knights because George McPhee says he wants the goalie rotation to continue when Robin Leonard comes back. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Congratulations to Christopher Wilson. He's the winner of the Month of Love contest. He won the $2,500 Diamond Heart Pendant from Sky Diamonds. Sky Diamonds has an incredible selection of romantic gifts located at Town Square. Uh, George McPhee went on the Bob McCown podcast. Golden Knights front office goes on a lot of podcasts that aren't in Las Vegas. Uh, but George McPhee on this podcast talked about the goaltending situation. And despite how well Marc-Andre Fleury has been playing, and despite the fact that Robin Leonard wasn't playing well and then is now out uh, for some unknown reason, uh, George McPhee said this, I like keeping the goaltenders fresh, and alternating is fine by me. That's what we had planned on doing this year, and we'll see where it goes. When Robin comes back, I hope we'll get back to alternating again, and we'll see. So you I like mean, they the gave idea. the guy they gave the guy five years for twenty five million. So I mean, I think uh, this is what you'd expect him to pl- say. They, they they chose him to be their goalie in the playoffs. He obviously was. No matter if they alternated or not, I think going to the season, we both would agree. If you know they kept alternating and and even you know halfway through it was the playoffs, then you know unless he was absolutely horrible, then he would have been the guy in the playoffs again. So I'm not surprised at this. You know, again. We're not going to speculate. He's been out for a long time with what they are saying is a shoulder injury. So um, I'm not going to try to read between the lines in terms of, you know, what's going on or when he comes back. But this this in no way surprises me that he would be on the record saying that uh, he wants both to play and he supports both of them. I mean, again, they gave, you know, they gave Leonard a big free agent contract. I would hope he still wants him to play, even though the other guy obviously is playing really well right now. Have they said it was a shoulder injury? Well, it's upper body, and he had hurt the shoulder the, the game before he left the arena and went out. So, you know, we're, people are just assuming if it's upper body, you know, it's that more than anything else. But, I mean, obviously, they said his upper body. People are just assuming it's his shoulder because that's what he hurt the game before. 
So first thing from this, uh, it's a good thing that George McPhee is talking as though Robin Leonard will be back because right. we've talked about it on this show. When is Robin Leonard coming back? Because yeah. we get vague updates, and Pete DeBoer gave one earlier in the week too that Leonard is progressing in a positive way. Yeah, whatever that means. Because the Golden Knights again, they they called Oscar Dan or they sent Oscar Dance down to the AHL. He's played. They've got Logan Thompson uh, yo-yoing between the taxi squad right now because it doesn't sound like Robin Leonard is expected to be back anytime soon. He was doubtful to join the team for Thursday if they had played in San Jose. That game got postponed, obviously. So it doesn't sound as though Robin Leonard is going to be back anytime soon, but McPhee is at least talking like they do think he'll be back at some yeah. point, which is good. But the other part of this on the, the, the rotating goalies, now, George McPhee doesn't come out and say, you know, I'm going to make them rotate goalies. But what do you make of George McPhee basically saying, I want to see them get back to alternating again when we've heard for a couple of years now, McPhee makes the roster and, and the coach is the one that sets the lineup and determines uh, who plays. I mean, he's in charge, so I think that's fine to send a message. I Here's the thing. I don't think it matters because I think when Leonard comes back, they're going to do it anyway. I think I, I think Pete DeBoer likes Leonard. Uh, I'm not saying at this point, you know, if this playoff started today, obviously he would choose Flurry the way he's playing. But I think that there's a lot of support in that organization from the vice president of operations to the GM to the head coach for Robin Leonard. So I certainly don't think, you know, Pete DeBoer would hear that or read those comments and say, oh, He's telling me what to do. I don't want to do that. I want nothing to do with that. I think it's probably the opposite. I think he wants Leonard back. And, you know, now that they're getting into this play every day and play back-to-backs, uh, he's probably, as a coach, thinking, yeah, that's best for us to do that again and just keep it out. was going. So um, while Pete DeBoer might make decisions on ice, I don't think this is one of the situations where the guy above him made a comment and he disagrees. Sometimes you'll have a head coach say, I don't agree with that at all. I think that's bad. And then you have, you know, a conflict there between them. But I believe that they're completely on the same page on this. So let me give you a hypothetical. What if we switched the goalies? What if Robin Leonard was playing like the best goalie in hockey right now and Marc-Andre Fleury was out for, you know, we're getting close to, what, 24 days here pretty soon. Uh, and do you think the Golden Knights would be saying, yeah, once Flurry's back, we're going to go back to rotating, or would they say, you know, Leonard's the guy, it's his job, we'll see how much playing time Flurry gets when he's back? I think it would be more based on Leonard and not Flurry. I think it would be more based on, given what the schedule is every other night in back-to-backs, did they, do they think that that would, you know, make him, you know, run down for the playoffs? I don't think it'd have anything to do with Flurry because I think at that point they would be all in on Robin Leonard, even probably more so than they were last year. So they would probably go to him and see how he feels and all that health-wise, and they would make the decision on that. I don't think they'd base anything on Marc-Andre Fleury because, again, they've made this decision. Now, times have changed because of Leonard being out and Fleury playing really well, but if it was everything was the same and Leonard was the one playing really well, it'd be more about Robin Leonard than, than Marc-Andre Fleury or worrying about what Marc-Andre Fleury would think if he wasn't playing. It'd be more about, are you okay, Robin, to play this much? And if not, well, we can, you know, we can rotate a little. I am fascinated to see how long Flurry keeps this up because the way he's playing it, it's it's unsustainable, right? It, it would be the best year of his career, and that's unlikely to happen. But how long does he keep this up? Because the longer Flurry plays like this, the more evident it is that he's going to be, or should be, I should say, the goalie that plays for the Golden Knights in the playoffs. And I'm curious to see if he can keep this up or at least close to this level 
for the entirety of the season and actually force the Golden Knights to play him in the playoffs instead of Robin Leonard. Because I think coming into this year, we all would have picked Robin Leonard's going to be the goalie for this team once they actually sure. get to the playoffs. But the way Flurry has played, like if they, like if if Leonard comes back and Flurry's still playing like this and they get to the playoffs and Flurry's still playing like this, you can't go to Robin Leonard. No. You can't do it. Like Flurry is unbelievable. You cannot go to Robin Leonard based on the way Flurry is playing. So I'm fascinated to see how long can he play this well and if he can actually force his way into being the playoff goalie. Yeah, I mean, look, Robin Leonard wasn't great when he was playing. So if he comes back and kind of continues that trend, win wonder here or there, and we've we've talked about the division they're in. There's a plenty of opportunities for how good they are just to win games, even if you're not getting great goalkeeping because the, the division on the bottom half is so bad. Uh, but let's say he comes back and he's kind of the same goalie he was before he left, or maybe even a little better, and Flurry continues like this, then then there's no choice. Then it's Flurry. Um, if he comes back and is pretty good, and Flurry kind of falls off, is again nothing against Flurry, but I'm with you. I think everyone expects that to happen at some point because at 36, even as incredible a shape he's in, it's just hard to sustain that. Then I think there'll be a choice to be made. And again, right now it just all predicates on Robin Leonard. What is the issue here? How long is he really going to be out? How will he be when he comes back? I mean, you know where Flurry is at this point. Robin Leonard is a complete mystery at this point. So you just have to wait to see when he comes back. When does Oscar Dansk get to play in a Golden Knights game? Let's go. Get Dansk on the ice. All right. I don't know, but he's playing for the Silver Knights tonight. I know. We need Dansk out there instead, or for the Golden Knights instead. That's that's the other part of this that I find to be fascinating is the rest factor for Marc-Andre Fleury. Because, and again, we don't know what the issue with Leonard is. We don't know when they no. expect him to be back. But... If there's a chance that you think Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be the starting goalie for the Golden Knights in the playoffs, which right now seems as though there's a good chance that could happen, you can't wear him out in the regular season. You cannot run him down simply by playing him every day because he keeps saying he's good to go because, of course, he's going to say he's good to go. He, you need to rest Marc-Andre Fleury throughout the course of the season, even if Leonard's not there. Like, they went into this season talking about how important rest was and how rest was a big deal for goalies. And now that Leonard's out, they've completely forgotten that rest was supposedly important for goalies because they're terrified to play Oscar Dansk, I guess. To me, they need to be giving Flurry rest, even if it's Dansk, even if it's Logan Thompson. They need to be giving Flurry rest because, again, the regular season is not important for this team. What's important is the playoffs. And we've seen in the last few years goalies that get rest throughout the regular season even if it comes because of an injury not because of just hey we're resting the goalie tend to perform better than goalies who play an entire season without much rest so even if Leonard's not coming back they need to give Flurry some days off he can't be playing every single game now I know he hasn't played in like a week now but when they start playing back-to-backs and start playing three and four days like Flurry needs some time off you can't just run him into the ground if you think there's any chance he's your goalie in the playoffs no you, you can't and Again, we'll go back to the division. They should ha- they should be able to find games that they can say, look, either you're going to have to, you know, they're, they're going to be good enough to win the league or finish second. They know that. And I agree with you. It's all about the playoffs. So there's plenty of games out there that they could probably even get away with playing those other two guys and still win the game because they're so good and these teams aren't. He's got to start finding games like that and save Fleury for the better games. If, in fact, Robin Leonard, if this extends into a really, really long time, again, we don't know. This could end in a week, a day, or weeks from now, because it's just a complete mystery what's going on. So I'm with you. And when, when, when Monday hits and they play Minnesota, I think they play Monday, Wednesday, 
that's when this really starts hitting every other day and back to backs and three and four days there, whoever the taxi squad is at that time, you've got to get him a game here or there. And it's not going to make that much of a difference anyway. No, it shouldn't at all. Coming up next, Rachel Galligan joins the show as we get ready to get excited about the Aces winning a WNBA title. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now is Rachel Galligan. You can follow her on Twitter at RachGal. Rachel, how are you this morning? Hi, Rachel. I'm so good. I'm, 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 I'm glad to be here with you guys. How are you? Good. We are good. good, and we are ready for you to tell us why the Las Vegas Aces are actually going to win the WNBA title for once. <laughs> I mean, where do you want me to start? <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to ask you, they, they signed Chelsea Gray uh, away from Los Angeles in the offseason. How, how big of an upgrade is that for the Aces at the point guard spot? Yeah, I mean, you essentially trade out Kayla McBride for Chelsea Gray. Um, K- Kayla McBride was uh, ended up getting traded to the Minnesota Lakes, which I think is great. I mean, you can't, you know, really knock the career that McBride had in Las Vegas. But I think when you're adding Chelsea Gray, uh, arguably one of the best point guards in the league, and in terms of her ability down the stretch to hit clutch shots, and I think that the the way that Las Vegas plays, especially in the half court, really bodes well for. Chelsea Gray's um, kind of style of play. So, I mean, that to me, it's an upgrade. Uh, to me, you have, you know, a superstar now who's been signed alongside the already present superstars of this Las Vegas roster. Honestly, guys, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. I honestly have no idea how they got it done. I mean, this roster is like blowing my mind in terms of just how do they even have the salary cap to get this done? But you have to credit the, the job they've done in the offseason. It's been phenomenal. Yeah, a lot of people last year obviously talked about Liz uh, and her not uh, her not being there. But how how big of a loss last year and now her coming back was Kelsey Plum? Well, I mean, you know, Kelsey Plum is. I'm glad that she's healthy. I'm glad that she's back. I mean, she was playing some of the best basketball of her WBA career before she got injured. So I think that's a huge shot in the arm. Uh, but Liz Cambage, I mean, obviously Asia Wilson was the MVP, reigning MVP. She's a dominant post presence, uh, best player in the league in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you throw Liz Cambage back into the mix. She was court. She's not officially signed yet, but everyone's anticipating right. that will happen, knock on wood. But, I mean, it just kind of changes the dynamic and kind of how they play. I was talking with Asia recently, and she's like, it just kind of takes some of the load off my shoulders that they have to focus so much on Liz. And, you know, you have those two in there combined with the backcourt of Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, and even the bench. I mean, Derrick Hamby, and then they signed Raquana Williams, which I – I don't. I mean, she came over from LA as well, and and that's a hell of a uh, um, an addition, you know, from from a shoot three point shooting ability. Um, just, I mean, just across the board, this is one of the, in, in my opinion, the most deep team in the league. But yeah, I mean, Liz Cambage is the most dominant player in the world. If we go back to 2019 when we saw Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage on the same team together, their numbers on the floor together were worse than when they played by themselves or with the Erica Hamby. Yeah. And I'm curious. What, is that going to be the key to this team actually winning this year is figuring out how to get the best out of the roster when Cambage and Wilson are on the floor together? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. Um, I mean, I think last year when it was just Asia Wilson, we all knew the offense was going to run solely through Asia. Getting her a touch every time down the court was important, which, I mean, I, I really felt like she had a really great shot at the MVP because of that. Now, 
this year, you know, you it's going to be spread out between the two. So, and I think they both have a great approach with it. Um, they understand that playing with each other on the court frees the other one up. But yeah, we're not going to see. I mean, possibly, but I, I don't anticipate we're going to see. You know, twenty and fifteen um, from from both of them or even one of them. It's just going to be, you know, really difficult for defenses to try to figure out which one do you stop. How do you pick your poison? How do you match up with those two? Um, it just a lot of people think, oh, maybe this team is better with one of them as opposed to both of them. I, I don't really agree with that. I just think it's a completely different style of play. And honestly, you've got a coach who uh, knows exactly what to do in that scenario. Yeah, let's talk about him. Uh, I think uh, fourth year now. What? Um, how? How much better will they be in this year? I know they add some new faces, but it's always like, oh, the longer you're with a guy, you understand who he is, what it, what his deal is. Uh, you know, he holds them accountable. Uh, both yeah. publicly and privately, uh, no matter what happens in a game, he's not afraid to do that. So yeah. is it, you know, a, more years with him, a, a better side in terms of understanding who he is and what he, what he demands? I think so. I mean, just from a consistency standpoint, you know, he, the players rave about him in terms of just really being a player's coach. Um, and I think in order to win in the WNBA, you have to have that longevity. You have to have that consistency in a core group that's really grown together. Well, here we are in Las Vegas and, you know, this team has every year taken that next step, whether they were missing uh, a couple pieces or not, they've continued to take that step. They've gotten to the finals. They've fallen short. Now, really, the next step of that progression is winning a WBA championship, which, in my opinion, they've got to be the favorite. Um, if you've brought in Chelsea Gray, who has championship experience. That's got to be huge. Um, but, I mean, Bill Lambeer, I mean, he, he knows exactly what to do with this team. They, they've got their system. Um, it, honestly, it's a nightmare for opponents. I think I think he's done a phenomenal job, and he'll continue to. What did you think of Mark Davis buying the Las Vegas Aces? Man, that's crazy. I was going to ask you guys. I mean, I I'm really excited. Um, I, I'm when you listen to his press conference and you listen to the things he says, he's you know really wants to continue to build off the things that MGM had kind of put in place. I mean, the Aces in my opinion, are one of the most premier teams in the WNBA, especially as a newer franchise. And what they're doing is groundbreaking for the league. And now he's, he's literally breaking ground on a new practice facility, a new, new office facility, a place that's specifically a home for them. So I think it's a, it's a really great sign. It's a great compliment uh, to, to kind of line this up with the Raiders organization. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I think it's a, a huge uh, move it shows the state of the WNBA, um, and I think, honestly, it just shows how valuable, um, how much potential there is in Las Vegas with, with, with women's basketball. Yeah, and you have to be happy. I mean, he's, he said a lot of things about, you know, uh, they deserve more money. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to get behind that. I, I listened to, I was on his press conference, and, you know, it's great everything he said. I'm not so sure he can do everything he said by the CBA, but we'll see. He said a lot right, of things right, about, right. I'm not sure you can, I'm not sure you can give them money for that in the offseason, but he is at least a huge proponent, uh, it, I believe, in yeah. it, you know, him coming off as doing better for these women financially and getting them what he thinks deserves. That has to be resonating throughout the league is okay, we need, you know, good for him. And if he can get some of these things done, it might help all of us. Exactly. I mean, and, and like you said, maybe a little bit overzealous with some of the things <laughs> you're like, man, that, that seems like really like lofty goals. But I mean, we, I mean he should aim high. You know, we, we all know that there's a huge push, especially with the new CBA um, the, of the players, you know, getting a little bit more money and having a little bit more control of their free agencies. And I, it was just refreshing to hear um, 
that he saw so much value in this and that he wants to continue to push the envelope with women's basketball. I mean, on, when, it, when, it, when it first came out, I think people were a little bit like, what is this about? This is strange. And then you heard him talk and you saw what he was doing behind it or were starting to, um, and then the excitement continues to build. So um, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about it by any stretch. I think it's an incredible move. Um, I'm excited about um, just continuing to build off what MGM had done. He mentioned uh, the possibility of, of at least exploring the possibility of building an arena for just the Aces uh, wow. at some point in the future. There's not any WNBA teams that have their own arena, right? No, I mean, I'm thinking off the top of my head. I mean, no, they all play either with their NBA counterpart um, in their facilities or some of them are playing in college uh, facilities. I mean, New York was playing up in the Westchester Center for a couple of years, a few years back, but that was, you know, an entertainment venue. So, no, that would be completely revolutionary in terms of having a WNBA arena just for them. This would, that, in my opinion, that would be the first one, at least in my experience in the league for the last, you know, 15 years, the first one that I'm aware of. Are there any other big super fans of the other WNBA teams like Mark Davis was? Because he was, I mean, the reason he bought it is because he was a fan and was at yeah. all the games. And are there any other big super fans of other teams? I mean, we've seen a lot. Like, I mean, in terms of just even NBA players, and it's a genuine um, appreciation. I mean, gosh, let's talk about the late Kobe Bryant. God rest his soul. But he was an absolute just diehard fan of what the WNBA was becoming and would attend games, I know. Uh, a lot of the NBA players have started to really take note and showed up to games. I know like Shea Serrano um, is, is a, uh, a huge presence with the ringer and he loved the aces. So that's a huge, uh, I mean, there's, it's just continued to get traction every single year. And those are just the ones off the top of my head in terms of, you know, from other sports or even different men who has kind of caught on to how incredibly fun this league is. Um, it's just grown every year, especially I would say the last three, it's gotten really hyped up. What has been, um, you know, you're looking at a kid now like Paige Buchers and what she's doing as a freshman, which is amazing, uh, INS moving. Where have you seen in the last 15 years that Asia, the talent coming out, and how much different is it now with you look at some of these kids in college coming out, obviously uh, Paige only a freshman, but where's the level of talent compared to 15 years? Well, I mean, you know, the game has evolved and changed. There's no doubt about that. But, I mean, I think, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, um, positionless basketball, that's a really trendy term, which I personally sometimes hate, um, but positionless basketball, and we're seeing, you know, just um, point forwards and, and, you know, the Asia Wilsons, uh, the Brianna Stewart, the Elena Deladons that, you know, are 6'4", six, 6'5", six, can, can handle the ball, run the show, whatever. That's always been exciting. But in my opinion, Ellen Page is a tremendous player. There was a huge article that came out with ESPN yesterday about uh, AZ FUD, um, and, and there's just been a lot of hype around some of the young talent that's coming up. And I mean, they're playing on these top circuits in the summertime against the top competition in the world. And, and uh, I think the biggest part is the social media aspect of it. Now the visibility mm -hmm. of these players, you know, you've got other um, outlets like slam and bleacher report and highlight her. And um, a lot of places that are really highlighting kids at the grassroots level and helping promote them and, and reaching out to kind of, the younger female audience, in my opinion. And, and, I mean, just the visibility of these women across the board, you guys talking about them is impressive to me because we didn't have that even five to ten years ago. Um, so, I mean, Sabrina was huge. I mean, she, she really pushed the envelope from just a 
brand standpoint, from a visibility mm-hmm. standpoint. I mean, Oregon all of a sudden became one of the top schools in the nation from just visibility. Everybody knew about who she was across right. every sport, uh, which, is, which is really, really cool. I think we're just going to continue to see more of that. Uh, last one for you, Rachel. I know you wrote a mock draft for the WNBA uh, for BetMGM. I'm curious, what do you think the Aces should do with the 12th pick in the draft? Man, I'm going to be honest. I sat there and just stared at my computer screen writing that for like 45 <laughs> minutes. And I, I was talking with some friends and everyone was like, we have, we have no idea. I mean, there's a, you get, you, do you go like and, and beef up the backcourt a little bit more? Do you maybe get some size inside? And ultimately that's kind of the, the route that I went with, um, you know, with, with kind of the, like towards the end of the bench, how can we make this already deep bench even deeper or maybe even plan for the future? And um, I, I, I mean, again, it's really difficult, <laughs> uh, but I would, I would anticipate maybe you get some young size, maybe some international size, um, maybe that maybe they don't come over this year. You know, maybe there's some question marks with that, but it's, it's, it's an investment for the future can learn behind Asia, Liz, um, you know, if there's a player that available that late in the draft, why not? Um, this is this is a draft that has a lot of good size in terms of fives and stretch fours, so you might be able to to develop that down the road. Well, she is Rachel Gal again. Again, follow her on Twitter at Rachel Gal. You can read a, a bunch of her stuff at uh, Winsider, even Bet MGM. Rachel, we appreciate it. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you, guys. Have have a good one. Take care. You too. Can we can we get a title at? That's what we got to have a title out of this team, right? For the Aces? Yeah. Yeah, I need a parade. We need a parade. Although, I guess by then it wouldn't be virtual. It'd actually be a real parade down uh, down the strip. That would be kind of cool. As long as it's not virtual. Just give us a title for once. All right, coming up next, uh, we know who Lights FC's next coach will be, even though Lights FC aren't the one that's actually hiring him. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Sean is back. He had the Sixers, and they covered easily yesterday. So, Sean, now you have the entire weekend. What would you like to pick? Morning, gentlemen. Happy Friday. Uh, What's up? Pretty, pretty successful with the NBA, so I think we're going to stick with that theme today. And uh, let's, uh, let's go with Boston over the Pacers, minus two and a half. All right, so the Celtics yeah. minus two and a half. We got you in over the Pacers. Uh, that game on ESPN tonight, so you can watch it. So Celtics minus two and a half. We got you, and we will be talking to you on Monday. I, I have got confidence in you, Sean. Thank you. Thanks, Amen. man. You guys have a good weekend. You too. All right, so... There's your pick going back to the NBA. But we have an important story with Lights FC because Taylor Twellman reported last night that Lights FC's next coach is going to be Steve Chirundolo. Um, However, he's being hired by LAFC because it's not been official yet, but it's been reported that LAFC is basically going to take over Lights FC in terms of players and coaches and supply the players for Lights FC next season, basically be an affiliate to LAFC. Uh, So they will be the ones in charge of hiring a coach. And according to Taylor Twelman, that will be former U.S. men's national team player Steve Chirundolo. Very excited for Steve. It appears Steve has done a lot of work in Germany uh, in terms of their U15s and uh, 
uh, captain of, uh, of Hanover. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Ooh, good for Steve, Hanover. 42 years old, from Rockfield, Illinois. And um, now, will Steve, be, he'll be coaching games in L.A., but he'll be holding practice here, or is it the other way around? Other way around, yeah. So, okay. uh, all right. The way this Steve's agreement, Steve's flying in for games. The way this agreement's been reported <laughs> is that all of the players that play for Lights FC next year are going to be LAFC players, and okay. LAFC is going to practice in Los Angeles, and then whenever there's a game for Lights FC, they're going to put whichever players are going to play in that game on a plane and send them to Vegas. Okay. And Steve Chirundolo is basically going to be like an assistant coach for LAFC, but they put him on the plane too, to go coach the Las Vegas lights. Ah, okay. So that's the way this is basically working out for Las Vegas lights FC. So it's a there lot is of a, soccer for, it's a lot of soccer for Steve. It is a lot of stuff. I, I, yes, I, I mean, I think based on his career path, uh, I, I think he's fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, there's not really a lights FC team. This season, it's really LAFC decides, all right, which guys are not playing for us this weekend. We're sending our next best 11 or 18, whatever it ends up being, over to Vegas to play for Lights FC. And Steve Chirondolo is going to be the one that coaches them. So, but it's not an ideal situation if you care about Lights FC, but they might actually win some more because they might actually have some better players than usual. And we'll find out here. But the coach of Lights FC is going to be another former U.S. men's national team player which is fun because now I get to compare him to Eric Winalda and get Eric Winalda to yell at me some more. Doing some intrepid research here as a reporter, do either of you know either of Steve's <laughs> nicknames? Uh, Does anyone know Steve's nicknames? No, but with that last okay. name, I'm imagining there's some good ones. It's not like hockey where you just add a Y. Um, this is, he's known as Dolo and affectionately nicknamed Mayor of Hanover. Ah, because so, he played for, for Hanover yes. 96 so, for a long time. We're yes. getting the mayor of Hanover and Dolo at the same time. How do you think the mayor of Las Vegas feels about the mayor of Hanover coming in? I don't, this guy, I didn't know this. He's uh, back in the day where I worked and li lived a long time. Grew up in San Diego, went to Mark, Mount Carmel High. Thought he was uh, played for the La Jolla Nomads. He's a San Diego guy as well. Good for him. <laughs> Are we doing... Ed Crane yes, we're doing we're, the, yeah, we're doing the right. resume of Steve of, uh, of Steve uh, Chirndolo. That's where the Dolo <laughs> comes from. I didn't even realize that Chirndolo. I just realized that. All right, that's where Dolo comes from. All right. Oh, Chirundolo, Ed. Chirundolo. Oh, Chirundolo. Yeah. Let's let's get let's get it right, and hopefully I'm mispronouncing it too. Let's, and, and we let's can get, get it, let's get it right before we bring him on and just say yeah. Steve. No, no, we gotta we gotta yell at Lashbrook first, and then we can yell at Steve. Yeah. we gotta we gotta go we gotta go down the pecking order here. Because listen, Brett Lashbrook still has not come on this show to explain what the hell's happening no. to his team and why his team doesn't exist at the moment, mm -hmm. even though they're supposed to be. When the hell is their season starting? I can't even remember at this point. Even I don't know. This season, I thought it was this, some sometime in April. Does this give him an inroads to the USL playoffs? The lights? Yeah, I mean, are these better well, players that are going to come? I mean, it's conceivably, that's the idea here. But here's the thing, Ed. The USL playoffs, like, invite 10 teams from each conference, and there's, like, 17 teams in each conference. 
Like, there, there's already an inroad to the USL playoffs. Is that they try to let everybody in already, and the lights still haven't been able to make it. Now, lights this haven't season, made it yet. yeah, well, this season they might be doing the pod thing again, so it might be a little different in terms of how you actually get into the playoffs. But yes, they should they should make the damn playoffs because most teams make the playoffs every year, and lights still haven't done it. So regardless of who the coach is or if the players are coming from LAFC, they should be making the playoffs now. Hopefully the players are better. But again, here the problem with it is even if the players are better, LAFC is going to do what's best for LAFC this entire year, not what's best for Lights FC. So if there's ever a point where LAFC says, well, we don't really want to send our you know 15th through 25th best players to go play in that game right now, then Lights FC end up with LAFC's 35th best players coming to play, and that might not be very good. So... That's the issue. They'll probably have better players for most of the season, but there's going to be games where it's like LAFC says, no, we don't have any good players to send you. You're, you, you're totally focused on the wrong thing. Am I going to get to complete my luchador outfit this season? We don't season? know. We don't know, Jared. That, what do you, what the, do you have? Those are you the got questions. the mask, you got the the mask and the cape. We, we missed last year. You didn't get luchador stuff last year. I know. I'm still upset about it. I would love to see the confused look on Ed's face right now. I'm reading that Malcolm Subban is 3-0-1 in his last four starts with a 1.44 GAA and a 9.52 save percentage. He's good. He's better than yeah. Flurry. You yeah, can't believe well, the they traded Leonard. They traded for Leonard when they should have sent Flurry away instead yeah. of Subban. Oh, they'd be phenomenal if they had Subban. Bring him back. Bring back. How do we get Subban back on this team? Jared, figure it out, Okay. <laughs> okay. You're, you're the one in charge of proposing a way that Malcolm Subban ends up back with the Golden Knights because he's really good now. Subban went to a Lights game. Did you know that, Ed? He's a super fan. I did not know that. Ed ran away. He ran away. Ed left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We still have like 15 seconds left. So Jared, yes. trade proposal. Flurry for Subban, straight up. I mean, I'd do it in a second. Yes, no doubt about it. Maybe throw in Ryan Reeves. Reeves and Flurry, Subban's coming back. 